You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. our priority in everything but these people were content to let the Lord suffer at the expense of their comfort instead they should have felt no rest until the work of the Lord was done and where they would be prosperous in their personal living how often do we misplace our priorities how often do we place things in front of our service to the Lord you have to answer that for yourself I can't answer that for you Any work of God that is not built upon His Word will never prosper. Balancing priorities can be quite the juggling act. Work, family, friends, faith. How will you get it all in? What's at the top of your list? Pastor Dave reminds us in today's message the importance of putting God first in everything we do. How we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and acknowledge Him in all our ways. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ezra chapter 5 as he begins his message. God's work continues until completion. So, felt the need to kind of review a little bit from where we've been when we started this book of Ezra. It began when King Cyrus, the king of Persia, he made a proclamation allowing those Jews that had been carried away to Babylon that had lasted 70 years, plus the new ones, to come back to Jerusalem and Judea. He made this proclamation. What caused this proclamation? It was the Lord. The Lord stirred his heart. The Lord stirred a Gentile's heart to allow his people, the Lord's people, the Israelites, to leave Babylon and come back to Jerusalem with one specific purpose. That was to rebuild the temple so they could once again worship God and do the sacrifices that were needing it. This fulfilled the prophet Jeremiah, who had prophesied that not only would Israel be a captive for 70 years, but that God would bring them back. And we talked at great length about the faithfulness of God. God is always faithful, ever faithful in all things. You read through the scriptures, and there's several scriptures that say not one word Not one word of anything that is written in this book has not come to pass. So if there's one thing you can always do, trust in the Lord. You can always trust in God to be faithful to his word. If God said it, it will happen. Always. He's always been proven himself faithful. So it's interesting. And there was a sense of urgency because this edict, if you will, was granted in the first year of Cyrus's reign. So once again, Israel packed up lock, stock, and barrel, and they had to move. From Babylon to Jerusalem was four months' journey by foot. Four months. So once again, they're on the move, and it kind of reminded you of the years they spent in the wilderness where they were going from Egypt to the Promised Land. But something else happened. When Nebuchadnezzar raided Jerusalem and destroyed it, he took all these treasures from the temple, all the gold and silver and all the beautiful instruments. He took them with them. 
Well, when the Israelites left Babylon, God had placed it upon Cyrus's heart to give all that back. And they now taken all these treasures back to Jerusalem so they can once again put them in the temple. And then once again, the temple can be as glorious as it was during Solomon's time. Remember, this is the building of the second temple. This is the second temple that we're going to be talking about here. The number of people that left Babylon, that first group, was some 50,000 people. 50,000 people. And we read most of their names in chapter 2. So if you want to have a good time, go back over chapter 2 and try to pronounce all those wonderful names we read in chapter 2. Their main task was to rebuild the temple, rebuild this glorious building that stood for hundreds of years. So they got there and they started to lay the foundation. But before they even did that, they started to worship God. They started to giving thanks for God, for getting them out of captivity, for bringing them back to their homeland, for bringing them back to the promised land. They started to praise him. They started to praise him for his faithfulness. They started to praise him and they presented themselves, it says, as one man. I love that verse, and we studied that verse at length. They presented themselves unified. There was no schasm. There was no division. There was no divisive attitudes. Everybody was working together for one purpose, and that was to honor God by rebuilding the temple. And that's something for us to learn. We need to learn unity. We need to learn unity of the body. Yes, we are all different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different types. We all come from different problems, different associations. We all have a testimony. But when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you come into this kingdom, we become one. We become one in Christ. He is the head of the church. We are known as his body. And we are all different. And that being said, we all bring different gifts to the body. We all bring different things that we can do. And we all have gifts. If you don't know what the gifts are, pray. And God will show you what gifts you might have. So we all have that. And we can bring that. They gave thanks to the Lord. They even started to celebrate one of the feasts called the Feast of the Tabernacles. Where they would build booths outside and they would sleep in them. And this represented the 40 years of wilderness as they wandered trying to get away from Egypt. So they were led by two guys, Zerubbabel and Yeshua. And they quickly began to lay the foundation of the temple. And I love the fact that as they were laying the foundation, they were singing. They were enjoying themselves. You know, and Mark, when he gives the announcements, always says on Saturday, they whistle while they work. Mark likes to say that. But that's what these guys were doing. They had such a good time laying the foundation. They were singing. What were they singing? For he is good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. They were giving thanks to God as they were working, doing manual labor. But as the work continued, as anything good of God, resistance comes. Anytime you step out to do God's will, anytime you step out to do a work for God, you can guarantee that there will be resistance. You can guarantee that someone will come against you. Someone will start being against you, whether it be your old friends wanting to bring you back into the fold. Oh, come on, you're not clean. Come back here and do this with us. Or you can do this, you can do that. I remember when I first came to the Lord, my old gang, I went to them to this thing. I think the uh, Fabulous Grease Band was playing at the Washington Convention Hall. And we went there. And they were all having a good time. And they kept coming to me and said, how come you're not having fun? I said, how do you know I'm not having fun? 
because I'm not drunk on my butt standing on tables trying to hit on your wife? Is that why I'm not having fun? Is that I'm having a ball? It's this church thing, isn't it? I said, well, first of all, it's not a church. It's Jesus Christ. I said, but that's what they look. They want to draw you back in. They want to draw you into that. So resistance comes. Satan always opposes the work of God, and he opposes it directly in you. The work that God is doing in you, Satan opposes. And he will throw thing after thing after thing your way to try to say, I give up. This Christianity is way too hard. But I can tell you one thing. Christianity is hard. It is hard. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to rely on so that he can help us in this crazy time. He wants to thwart the promises of God. He wants to accomplish all those things that you're going to do in the name of the Lord. And he wants to bust you down. How did they try to bust down the Israelites? They tried to discourage them. They tried to trouble them and bring them to frustration so that they would stop building the temple. Satan knew what that temple would mean. He knew what would happen if that temple was built. He knew that people would come back to God and he would lose out again. And he didn't want that. He knows what happens here. One of the biggest enemies you have when you accepted Christ as your savior, you had an enemy. And he wants to do everything he can to trip you up, to make you fall on your face so you can get disgusted, so you can get tired, so you can get frustrated and say, I'm done. I'm done with this Christianity. Be steadfast and immovable in your faith. Don't let the enemy win because we know his end. Christ has already defeated him on a cross. Christ has defeated the enemy. And we are overcomers in him. We say that all the time. So how did they do this? How did they try to stop the construction? Well, they wrote letters. They wrote letters to the king. His name was Artaxerxes. And they suggested that when the temple is finished, the Jews aren't going to pay you tribute. They're not going to give you money that they owe you, and they're going to back out. Why? Because they've done it before. That was their style. You know what? As I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about the chosen. And one of the things that Philip said to Matthew, he said, Don't let them judge you by your past. They'll always want to judge you by your past. And that was happened to us. When we become born again into a living hope, we become a new creation. All things are new. That's what Scripture says. But everybody's going to want to judge you by who you used to be. Oh, I remember when you did this or when you did that. Well, I'm not like that anymore. I am new. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's what the Bible tells us so. So I stay in that, and I fight for that. And that's what they wanted to do here. Those Jews aren't going to pay. They've done it before, and they'll do it again. They won't pay you. So they're judging them by their past. And sadly, after the investigation was taking place, it was true. They didn't always pay their tribute. They didn't always do that because it was against God's law. So Artaxerxes writes a letter to the Jews and says, Stop. Stop building the temple. And we see in chapter 4, verse 24, we see those words. Thus the work of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, ceased. And it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persians. So what happens is Cyrus is no longer king. Darius comes in, and it's figured that it's some 10 to 14 years that the work on the temple had stopped. 10 to 14 years since they stopped working on the temple. What did they do? What did they do during those 10 or 14 years? Well, they worked on their own houses. They wanted to make sure that their own houses were in good order. They started discontinuing with the house of God, 
and they neglected the house of God, and they worked on their own house. Sometimes when the Lord calls you to serve him, when the Lord calls you into his own, obstacles come your way, as I said, and sometimes you want to stop. Sometimes you want to step back. Sometimes you say, well, I'm going to take a break. There are no break in serving the Lord. There's no break from Christianity. You're a new creature. You don't take a break from serving God. And so we stop. We can become frustrated, and we stop. That's what happened to these guys. So God knew about that, and God said, well, you know, you may stop if you want to, but I'm going to have the last say here. So he chastised them. He chastened his people, trying to get them back to doing what he had called them to do, and God does that in our lives. Scripture tells us, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Chastening is another word for discipline. Everybody hates discipline. Nobody likes the D word, discipline. But that's what chastening is. And sometimes God disciplines us to get us on the right road. The scripture says don't despise it because God only disciplines who? Those he loves. He only disciplines those he loves. And that's what the scripture says. So if you're being disciplined, listen to what the Lord is saying to you and then move forward. So look at verses 1 and 2 in chapter 5. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel, who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil, and Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with him, helping them. Interestingly, the word of the Lord came forth. How was the world created? By the word of the Lord. Let there be light. The word of the Lord spoke. How does the Lord guide us? By his word, right? By his word. He guides us by his word. And here we have the testimony, and we can read the testimony of Haggai. Take a quick jaunt over to Haggai, the prophet. In the book of Haggai, remember, Haggai is prophetic, and he's a prophet of the Lord. Let's look to see what he says. And it's very, very short book. There's only a couple chapters. I'm going to read it, all right? In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Zehodadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. That's a chastisement. Chastisement is no dew from heaven or rain and no fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and the grain and the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock on all labor of your hands. 
Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. I love that. They're doing the Lord's work, and the Lord's saying, I'm with you guys. I'm right there beside you. I'm with you. Sounds like what we're told by Jesus. What? I will never leave nor forsake you. That's what our Lord tells us. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Chetil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Its comparison with it, is this not your eyes of nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, said the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. What an encouragement. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, as a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and sea and the land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, and the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now, ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will he be unclean? So the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, so is this nation before me, says the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. And now, carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid beyond stone, upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of twenty ephahs, and there was but ten. And when one came to the wine vat and drew out fifty fat baths, from the press, there were only about 20. I struck you with the blight and the mildew and the hail and the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive oil have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th, of day of the month, saying, Speak Zerubbabel, governor of Judea, saying, 
I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the kingdom, the throne of the kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them, the horses and their riders shall come down. Everyone by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sethil, says the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. So you just read the entire book of Haggai. This is his testimony. In his prophecy, he rebukes the people for their attitudes toward building the temple. The time has not come. The time of the Lord's house should be built. He's saying the people made up excuses that sound spiritual. We do that. When the Lord wants us to do something and we don't want to do it, we make up spiritual excuses like, oh, well, I'm praying about it. How long are you going to pray about it? Well, I've been praying about it for 30 years. No, come on. Stop praying and move and let the Lord work, okay? That's what we do. We try to sound so spiritual. They couldn't speak against the idea of building the temple, so they spoke against its timing. Oh, it's not God's time. It's not God's time. Therefore, the prophet rebuked them. You dwell in great houses and look at the Lord's house. The promptly was simply they had wrong priorities. Priorities must be God first. God first is always our priority as a Christian. God first, everything else second. Everything else second, including our spouses, including our children. God first. I am happy. Hi, Beatrice. I am happy to say, I am happy to say that I am number two in Beatrice's life because the Lord is number one. I'm happy to say that. It doesn't bother me. I think it's great. That's what we need to do. He becomes our priority in everything. But these people were content to let the Lord suffer at the expense of their comfort. Instead, they should have felt no rest until the work of the Lord was done and where they would be prosperous in their personal living. How often do we misplace our priorities? How often do we place things in front of our service to the Lord? You have to answer that for yourself. I can't answer that for you. Any work of God that is not built upon his word will never prosper. This is why here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May, we teach the line, word of God, line by line, verse upon verse, because this house is built upon God's word. We consider it our priority to teach the word of God. I don't care if it's Monday night. I don't care if it's at the recovery center. I don't care if it's at uh, Conifer. I don't care if it's on Thursday morning, Friday morning. I don't care where it is. We teach the word of God, and that's what we do. Why? Because you need the full counsel of God. You need God's full counsel to tell you how to live, what to do, and how to get there by trusting in him and him alone. We need God's full counsel. God had called them to work, but sometimes God causes needs to work and work that is supported by prayer, but it's not neglected because of these pretend spiritual services. I can't do the work that God has called me to do because I'm praying about it. I know God has called me to do it, but I got to pray. The people had delayed beyond their control to become the delay of their own choosing. Even Zechariah's prophecy is recorded in the book of Zechariah, which is the very next book. It talks about the same sort of thing. Haggai's prophecy was more direct of encouragement to get busy. Come on, you can do it. Get busy. But Zechariah came from a spiritual angle. Zechariah came from a spiritual angle, and he talked about their condition. Anybody know what the name Zechariah means? The Lord remembers. That's what Zechariah means. You are a sure.
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor David has been digging into the book of Ezra, and we're learning so much together. The book of Ezra starts out with a powerful reminder of God's mighty power over kings and kingdoms. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. What follows is a command to anyone who wanted to, to go and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And then he commanded his people to help them with silver and gold and goods and beasts and a free will offering. Can you imagine a pagan leader doing all that? Only by the great power of God. And that gives a good deal of hope today for the world we live in. Nothing and no one can keep the word of the Lord from coming to pass. So it doesn't matter who is in power, because God is greater. I'm sure glad you've decided to join us today on A Sure Hope. This is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you'd like to join us on Sunday, we'd love to have you. Head over to AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. And if you're too far away to join us in person, you can always catch us online on Facebook and YouTube. That's all we have for today, but we'll be back, and we hope you will too, right here on Assure Hope. Set our hope on praise. Sure.